0: The top or bottom.
1: Hi G. Hi, Shannon. Hello,
2: everyone, and welcome to Three Books, One Plot, the only podcast on the web where one of us reads Life and Death, one of us reads Midnight Sun, and some dog whispering gamer girl from God knows where New Hampshire reads Twilight. I need everybody to welcome my good friend Casey to the podcast today. Hello, Casey. Welcome. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Sorry about that one there, but.
1: Oh, God, no. I will never have a better title. Wow. Do we have two New Hampshire guests in a row? Is Winnie from New Hampshire? Winnie is also from New Hampshire. Yeah. Straight up, put us in a room together, and within 10 minutes,
0: we'll find like a mutual person we both know.
1: <laughs> I believe Probably. it. Probably. I still believe it.
2: <laughs> today. Um we are joined by our lovely Casey. Casey is going to be our twihard of the week. She has read chapter 7 of Twilight. Um I am your feminist of the week. I have read chapter 7 of Life and Death. And G is Edward's therapist this week. She has read she has read chapter 8 of Midnight Sun. So. Yeah.
1: And it's his birthday. We are recording this on Edward's birthday, which is fun because it's also the day our first episode <gasps> oh, went live. Yeah. It's a big day today. Happy birthday, Mr. Cullen. He's 121 today.
0: Wait, is Edward a Gemini?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It all makes sense. <laughs> yeah, he's a
2: Gemini. A Gemini cancer cusp. That sounds like it's bad. <laughs> Based on your tone. It's not good. Stephanie Meyer's production company Instagram posted a happy birthday thing for him. And I was the first comment on it. And I was like, give me Alice's birthday.
1: I mean, are you sure you want her to give you Alice's birthday? Because what if it doesn't match up with your astrological opinions? No,
2: I, I want them to let me pick. If she doesn't care, I am a devoted fan.
0: What
1: if she's like, Alice is also a Gemini? No, that's fucked up. But there's a big difference
0: between Gemini women and Gemini men. That's the tea.
2: Thank Mm, you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Casey, I'm glad you're
0: here. Thank you. Back me up. I'm learning today. You're learning so much. Learning new things. That's,
1: that is an Ed flag.
0: That is. That
2: is an Ed flag.
1: Gemini. Being with Gemini is our ed flag of the week yes, there's I you know this chapter is pretty much wall to wall ed flags, but I think that's my favorite. <laughs> um but yeah, I know
2: Casey in real life here in Los Angeles, Casey will be leaving Los Angeles sometime.
0: Soon. Shannon is one of the few people that can beat me at bowling. fact, what can I say? I'm just an athlete.
2: <laughs> I may not read many books, but I'm a fucking jock baby so true all right, um but oh Casey God. so. Now that Mm -hmm. I've gotten to know you over the past several months that we've actually become friends with one another, um, I have been very fascinated with your fandom history because Mm -hmm. you are somebody who I feel like anytime somebody mentions a TV show or an anime or book, you're like, oh yeah, I've I've read that or I've (laughs) consumed that. So if you can just give us a brief summary of any fandoms that you've been in or any interactions that you have Mm -hmm. with or around fandom, the floor is yours, my dear.
0: So, I think the first interactions with fandom for me were, was actually, like, Doctor Who, because I got really into that de- when Matt Smith was the Doctor, and I think I just threw my sister and her Wow,
1: congrats like on Morbius. These... <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's a big moment. Um, But I also started at the same time getting into just a whole array of different YA series, because I was constantly at my local library. So... I feel like after The Hunger Games there is this big burst of this dystopian young adults just series all over the place. Like if you had some kind of niche interest, you could find like a young protagonist dealing with whatever shit you were interested in and you could find it.
1: Yeah, they call that the YA boom. Oh. Yeah, it was crazy. It was so fun
0: though. Oh my god, I I've, I've been buying all the books again and trying to like nurture that inner child and uh, it's so great. It still hits the same way it used to. But it was the books and then being on Tumblr Introduced me to the fandoms of more TV shows like Supernatural and Teen Wolf. I got really into the Vampire Diaries, both the books and the TV show. Ah. Um. And then, again, with just the YA boom, there was the uh, Divergent series. I was big with that. But my main Tumblr blog was primarily devoted to the Mortal Instruments and the Infernal Devices book series. Uh, shout out Jamie Bower, You sexy. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> hi head ass. Yes, I've, I've had... I've had such a crush on that man for so long. And like in 2013. He ends
2: up in all of these giant series somehow. Good for him.
0: He's got a great agent. I've been in love with those cheekbones for a decade. And everyone's been shitting on me. And I'm finally validated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy yeah, for you. Yeah, it just, I, I uh, like a lot of people, had kind of a crappy teenage experience. Mm-hmm. And the the books, all the media, and just Tumblr in general, it felt like. This awesome community to find people who liked the stuff that I liked would answer the questions. we have awesome, great, engaging dialogue. And, I don't know, it was, it was a great escape and uh, made some of my best friends through it. Um, my friend that I ran my Tumblr blog with when I was 14, I still consider one of my best friends. Um, so it's awesome.
1: That's so cute. Yeah. <laughs>
0: my Twilight spiel I wanted to mention is that I, I had to, like, trace back my Twilight lineage, mm-hmm. but it came out in 2008, and I, I figured out the timing of it. I picked up this book that's in my hands for the first time on the way to the movie theater, because I was nine years old. I'm a baby. Um, <laughs> I, I remember being on the way to the movie theater with my mom and my older sister and, like, trying to read as much of it as I could. Oh, and that's so cute. I thought about the timing of all of this. I looked back, and that was something that my mom did literally like the weeks around my parents separating and like my father really? moving out no. that was something that my mom did to take my sister and I out to kind of like get us out of the house have a good day and like not be worried about that stuff and yeah. I was thinking about that and like when I think about that time I, I kind of I think about this I think about the books and the movies and how I felt instead of all of that big heavy stuff that was happening in my life and uh, it's cool to kind of realize that
1: my mom was like, "Here's a distraction for you," and it yeah. ended up meaning so much to me.
2: Escapism so important. So, were man. you
1: able to? Were you able to like relate to Bella because she's like got this whole parents thing going on? Oh yeah, the <laughs> anything
0: that's like, oh, I'm an outcast. I want to be chosen. Oh man, that's my like trauma milk and butter. Right? <laughs> yeah, milk and butter. Milk and butter. Just just uh, being, like, mad about everything. Just, I'm, I'm not as similar to Bella now. Like, going back, I'm looking like, damn, do you like anything, girl? <laughs> <laughs> Valid.
2: It is very funny. <laughs> but, like, yeah. in, ep- in, like, previous yeah. episodes, like we've mentioned, like, it does seem like the realistic teen girl experience. You're in a new town and you're just... Everything like G said in a previous episode is a world ending calamity.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Especially in this chapter, she talks about like she deals she makes a decision and she just deals with it. And she's like, I'll either be mad about it or I've made the decision. It's too late. And yeah. I think that like Virgo Queen. That's the whole, her whole mentality about everything.
2: Yeah, some some moments to admire Bella upcoming. So it's really exciting. I can't wait to get into it. I can't wait. If you want to let the people know where they can find you, where could that be?
0: <laughs> yeah, I just have personals, which is really just me posting pictures of my dog. So if you want that content, you can follow it.
1: Just Casey Doan. Nothing fancy. All right. So, gee, I'm going to hand it over to you now, bestie. What are we in for? Okay, so let's start with our timeline check-in. These chapters, once again, because our last chapter was a little uneven, these ones start at different points. So Life and Death and Twilight start on Sunday, March 6th, and they take us all the way through the early afternoon of Tuesday, March 8th. Um, Midnight Sun ends in the same place, but it starts later. It starts on Monday morning, March 7th. 2005 so that's where we are what we're going to
2: do before we get into our actual uh, discussion of what's happening here is we are going to each give a 30 second summary of the chapter that we've read now casey since you are our twihard this week you have been given the task of summarizing in 30 seconds or less uh chapter seven of twilight which is nightmare so whenever you're ready
0: Uh, So the chapter is called Nightmare. So after getting all of the information from Jacob uh, at the beach, Bella's just dealing with all of this information, kind of having an internal struggle, feeling stupid about believing it, wanting to believe it and trying to make decisions. And that's kind of just the gist. She has a nightmare about Edward and Jacob. It's just the whole theme of the chapter is her just having that internal struggle of should she trust Edward or not?
1: There we go. I mean, yeah. Sounds about right. Poor Bella's got some shit to agonize over. Yeah, she sure does. She's going through it as usual.
2: Uh, As usual. She just wants to be left alone. Girl, you are the main character. I'm so sorry.
1: Yeah. She talks about her depression this chapter. She's really. Oh, she
0: does. That's
1: right. Mm -hmm. We do hear a little bit about depression. Mm -hmm. So sad.
0: Yeah. She says she's, quote, like angry at herself a lot.
1: (laughs) Yeah. She's got some some issues with self-loathing. Almost like a certain vampire we know. Mm. <laughs> Could it be? Interesting. Perhaps they are well-suited. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, they do deserve each other. The birthday boy. <laughs> <laughs> the birthday boy. I'm so obsessed. speaking of boys, Shannon, are you ready to summarize Chapter 7 of Life and Death? Also called Nightmare? I am so ready.
2: Everybody knows this is my favorite part of the entire episode. Nothing else matters <laughs> other than this. This is it.
1: <laughs> All right, so whenever you're ready, I can hit start on my timer.
2: Today's episode of Investigative Googling is brought to you by our dear, boring Bo. We start off by memorizing the entirety of Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park, continue with a funny little nightmare that's just a tad bit horny, gross, and we learn that sometimes just using Google can be a daunting endeavor. He agonizes over Edith. He reads, kind of. He naps in the sun. Truly a fascinating creature, worthy of our full attention. We even get not just one, but two sunny days of moping around school while the clones remain MIA, while Bo, matchmaker extraordinaire, finally sets up Michaela and Jeremy. Bo gets ready to accompany the boys to Port Angeles, all while getting pretty damn comfortable saying the V word. (gasps)
1: Ooh, that's a suspenseful ending. The V word. Mm,
2: the V word. What could it mean? Is it,
1: vagina? Is it virgin?
2: <laughs> There's plenty of V words. It could be at this point. No, truly.
1: Virgin vampire vagina. That's what Edith has. <laughs> get me out of here! Get me out of here!
2: <laughs> so, I mean, we'll get into all that nonsense, but but first, G is going to give us our 30 second summary of Midnight Sun chapter eight, which is entitled "Ghost." We- <gasps> I wonder what that's all about. So spooky. Yeah, gee, whenever you're ready.
1: Okay. Welcome to a chapter in which Edward's family has guests over and does fun activities while Edward sits in a tree and stalks Bella. First he sits in a tree and stalks Bella at school, then he sits in a tree and stalks Bella at her house. But it's okay, he's totally not a peeping Tom, just an incel who watches her sleep twice in one goddamn day. Then he sits in a tree and stalks Bella at school again, then goes home for a brief interlude where everyone and their Mexican war buddy calls him a freak, then sits in his car in order to drive to Port Angeles and stalk Bella. (laughs) And that's it, that's the chapter. (laughs)
2: Oh my god yeah yeah they said visitors are here family activity and edward said absolutely fucking i have
0: stalking too but, but he's not a peeping tom not at all he's totally got too not. much
2: stalking to do oh, i'm so sorry that you
1: have to deal with him this chapter Oh my god. It's actually a pretty fun chapter to check in with Edward. It's once again, because like in previous chapters where he and Bella were together, it's kind of just hearing the same events from different POVs. This is another one where they are doing completely different activities. There's a lot going on. There's actually a lot in this chapter in general. It's starting from
2: even just the beginning yeah. of Twilight.
0: Bella does her little internet search. The famous Google. Her investigation.
2: Investigative Googling is literally
1: just that's, it's what it is. And She's so nervous to do it. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, is this allowed? Can I just type this into Google? Jesus Christ.
0: <laughs> My favorite thing about the whole thing was that, like, it's talking about all of the myths of, like, ah, people who would, like, lure women and kill them, drain them of blood, blah, blah, blah. And then there's one, one, literally one legend about a vampire who's not all that bad. And he he's the, he's the enemy of the bad vampires. And, of course, that's the wine that she's like, oh. <gasps> oh thank goodness and like like holds on to- and like, has a moment to talk about that
1: so- it's like the confirmation bias fallacy it's where like you can you can find anything to support your opinion you know yeah. it's like when you find 13 studies telling you don't drink soda and one study funded by <laughs> coca-cola that's like do drink soda and you're like validated yep. i'm so validated i was right all along about soda like <laughs> she was right all along about vampires they're good guys The the post <laughs> is the post is Actually, yes, do date
0: vampires by Reddit user Not Edward. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not a vampire. But she
2: does her little her research is is very funny because it's like what is like Edward?
1: And then she, a lot of it's like nothing Amen. except for a couple things here. Well, mm-hmm. I actually um I did a lot of my own research. I tried to replicate Bella's exact Google searches and see what I could dig up. Um and like compare the the actual cuz once again, I do not trust Stephanie Meyer to do research. Not even uh, one iota i don't trust her um not oh. after the Quillute stuff not after how yeah. she's yeah. so public about hating to do research so i was like let me just do my own and i did a bunch of googling <laughs> and then i went to the library um and i was in the folklore section getting vampire books um so yeah i've i've tried to um chase down the types of vampires she mentions and like have my own little ted talks on them (laughs) but like a lot's going on in this chapter even before we get to the googling because the titular nightmare happens and even before that i'm sure you emo night people will have some opinions about bella's journey through hybrid theory oh my gosh chapter seven of twilight brought to you by
0: lincoln park i wrote that down the first thing i wrote is what cd is bella judging because she complains about the yelling
1: (laughs) she's like the bass and the shrieking the shrieking yeah, I love that line about the shrieking. But yeah, it's it's not until like later chapters of Midnight Sun that you find out it's hybrid theory.
2: Um, I feel like before Midnight Sun even came out, Stephanie Meyer had confirmed it in an interview, I'm pretty sure. But oh, okay. I don't quote me on that because I love to be confidently wrong about the um, Twilight facts I spit. But it's Bimbo Monday and I'm allowed. <laughs> it's fine. I'll do some research. <laughs> you are You are the teacher here. You are the brains
0: of this operation.
2: But no, she listens to it and she's listening to it because she's like, great. If I listen to music, it can drown everything out. But you know what? Relatable.
0: Yeah, no thoughts, just Linkin
2: Park. No thoughts. That's been me all spring long, except it's no thoughts, just Ethel Kane. (laughs) Everybody go scream Preacher's Daughter right now. But no, that's a really relatable scene where she's like, I'm just going to blast some music because I'm a teenage girl, and I'm going to just forget about my problems. But like, three times? Come on. More than that, though. She listens to it much more than that. She listens to it she wakes up and it's still playing.
1: That's how you know you're depressed. (laughs) my problem with this scene is not anything to do with her music habits it's the fact that she has her shoes on on the fucking bed uh, oh my god oh yeah
0: yeah that's not cool um,
1: which first of all this is something that twilight fans have been calling out for years because edward fucking does it in a deleted scene from the movies it's actually i think from this chapter he does yeah because it's bella's nightmare scene and she like wakes up and he's like on the bed leaning over her and he has his shoes on on her bed in this scene in this deleted scene i'll try to find a screenshot for people i just thought it was a twilight thing but then earlier this week i tried watching netflix's first kill and the vampire character in that does the same thing she flops onto her bed fully wearing shoes and it's it's just the caucasity you know like i'm white but i'm not this white i'm not having shoes on my goddamn bed at least get some
2: indoor shoes
1: it bothers me so much so the fact that she like she like slept eight hours with shoes on her goddamn bed was she wearing she's wearing jeans too yes yeah she's wearing jeans and boots not even regular shoes
0: Yeah, no wonder she had a nightmare. (laughs) No
1: no wonder she had a nightmare. It was the
2: jeans. It was was brought on by the Lincoln Park, the shoes and the jeans. She
0: she had it coming.
2: Yeah, like, what do you
1: expect if that's how you go to sleep? Mm -mm.
0: That reminded me of a, uh, there is a very brief Twilight reference in the CW show, uh, The Vampire Diaries, in the first season. Of course. um, Where it's, (laughs) there's the joke that happens in the TV shows, Ian Somerhalder, who plays the character Damon, Is literally reading Twilight, like sitting on a bed. I recall now, I'm pretty sure he's sitting on a bed with his shoes on. I'm gonna go back. I am gonna go find the scene. He makes a joke about it and she goes, Aren't you supposed to sparkle? And he just goes like, uh, this is the real world. <laughs> so, so I'm just like backhanded shit like that. And I remember thinking it was so silly. Like, oh, yeah, because your
1: version is so
0: realistic, too, guys. Yeah, really. Ooh. Our vampires
1: just do spit takes and wear magic jewelry. Not like those silly sparkly guys.
0: At this point, I just hating
1: on <laughs> Twilight in media like that is just low-hanging fruit. Like, come up with something it's, better. It's not even low-hanging fruit. It's a bad idea. That's super fun. I also love that it was Ian Somerhalder's character, because for anyone who doesn't know, that actor is married to the actress who played Rosalie in the Twilight films. So it's truly like a vampire dynasty. And the fact that he's like reading his wife's media franchise. I wonder if they wear shoes on the bed in their house. (laughs) I hope not. I don't think they wear shoes
2: at all. They have a very hippie lifestyle now. I don't think they own shoes anymore. That's
1: true. They're very granola. Yeah.
2: They have a ranch. (laughs) There's no shoes on that ranch. If they are, it's
1: boots. They keep their boots on the bed. (laughs) We are cowboy boots on the bed. (laughs) You did mention,
2: because she has her her dream. Her dream is just, I mean, her Linkin Park-induced dream.
0: In the life and death variation of the dream, because in the Twilight dream, We hear Mike's voice. She mentions it, I think, twice. She's like, I hear Mike's voice calling out to me, but like she either doesn't look or doesn't see him. And I was curious if
1: there was that parallel in life and death, too. Oh, we'll see. Um, I think it's interesting that Mike is included in the dream at all because it kind of gives him equal weight with Edward and Jacob. Like he's like equally as important. I think that's so fun. like he's showing up in her dreams now it made me so fucking happy it's delightful mike is looking out for her
0: you can't let him know that
1: he's
2: in her dreams (laughs) if bella ever said mike's name during one of her dreams edward would he would go back to the home and be like someone kill me now no
1: he would go straight to italy and ask to die (laughs) he'd
2: be like she likes mike sell himself on fire he would lose his damn
1: mind the object of my love has chosen Frozen a mere vulgar human boy over me and my tortured soul. The generically
2: popular Mike Newton. <laughs> I mean, the dream is definitely something that it's like, Oh my gosh, let, let's give the reader some, some crazy insight, but it's, I don't like that. She has like a prophetic dream.
0: Yeah, It's prophetic.
1: Yeah. First
2: of all, future tellings for alice only i don't like yeah. that like that's a
0: dream where it's fucking a prophetic dream i doesn't i don't like it. it's lazy it's lazy writing is why they used it because she wants because the nightmare isn't even that there's a werewolf and a vampire in front of her it's that there's a wolf lunging at edward that's that's what scares
2: her jacob that's wolf. what makes her upset yeah jacob turned into a wolf in front of her <gasps> And then lunged at Edward and oh no, Edward and his, oh, no. his. Edward is so
0: helpless with his powers and ability to kill people. His glowing Ugh.
2: skin and his dark eyes as he beckons her into the forest. It's like, okay, cool. Oh yeah, on. the, the
0: beckons. Oh yeah, I wrote, I think I wrote that down. He,
2: well, he just beckoned like two chapters ago, so it's realistic. <laughs> uh, that is true. She really internalized that scene there. Um, I do like though that when she wakes up, she like has to stall. She like procrastinates. Turning on the computer to
1: make a Google search. It's really this this passage, this whole chapter, is like shows us how empty her life is right now. She has got nothing. She, going has, on. she needs a hobby. Yeah, she needs hobbies. Homegirl needs to crochet or something.
0: Yes, she yeah, like. Oh my god, Charlie is
1: off fishing with his friends. He's got a cool hobby and he brings home dinner. And he's like, got, he's meets up with Billy and Harry. Um, just his guy friends. <laughs> just his guy friends yeah, just only. Just his guy friends. Yeah. No women, or else their husband has to be present. Yeah. So like he's doing his hobbies and they're kind of fun and he's got like a passion and she is just she's like rereading Austin. Like not to knock that, but come on, Bella, make something, learn something, do something new. And even
0: when she goes for her hike in the woods, she's complaining. The whole time i'll just go go
1: walk in the woods well and saying she can't possibly hike because she'll get lost she's just too helpless to ever go on a hike like get a compass <laughs> get a compass ask a boy scout for some tips i don't know yeah mike's parents own a sporting goods store go ask mike's mom for some maps you know go ask mike Ooh, go ask mike <laughs> well she ends up working there That's true. She's like the last person who should be working there if she can't even walk 10 feet into the woods without getting lost. That's a good point. When it
2: goes to her um, research, though, that she eventually decides, and her research again, she just Googles the word vampire.
1: (laughs) Me too, girl. I have some fun little notes on all the types of vampire that she lists off as coming up in her Google search. Um, Let us know. Yeah. So first off, they list the um, Filipino, I believe it's pronounced like Danag. I tried to look up the pronunciations for all of these and they were really hard to find. It is an actual, it does seem to be actual folklore from what I can tell. And what Stephanie says here is accurate. Um, It's a story of these. um, What she leaves out is that they were, they were worshipped as gods. And then they came and helped the people plant taro and like helped them with their crops and stuff and lived alongside the humans and then one day they were like out in the fields and one human got a paper cut of some kind some kind of finger cut and the vampire was like oh let me suck that for you just kinkily and then ended up enjoying the taste of blood so much that it drained her dry so that actually does kind of feel like a new moon parallel a little bit because the whole thing is catalyzed by a finger cut Um, And also the fact that they were revered as gods. Oh. Kind of interesting. If you guys know more, and also, you know, if I say anything inaccurate here, like, again, this is literally me doing Bella-style Googling research, so, like... It might not be totally accurate. A lot of the <laughs> sources I could find were just like people's blog posts t- g- talking about twilight. So it was kind of hard to find something that didn't have anything to do with twilight, honestly. Um, next one, she lists the Estree, which I hope I'm seeing that right. It's supposed to be French in origin, the word. So maybe um, these are the Hebrew ones from like Jewish folklore. Um, notable stuff about them. They're a pretty traditional succubus. They're hot women. Um, they're preoccupied with seducing men and eating babies, like Bella says in this passage. Yeah. Um, they yeah. can do a bunch of stuff. They can shape into animals. They can fly only if their hair is down. If their hair is up, they can't fly. Um, they are not at all deterred by religious iconography. So that's kind of like the main parallel with Twilight is like they can walk in to a synagogue.
2: This sounds like an article that like Republican fear mongers would write about like (laughs) liberal women. (laughs) I can only fight their hair. They're beautiful. They're
1: succubi. These educated women. (laughs) These girl bosses. My favorite factoid about them was, um, they can cure themselves by drinking the blood or eating the bread and salt of some of whoever harmed them. So like if you hit them, they have to go eat your bread and salt.
2: <laughs> you got to go get a pretzel out of your fridge.
1: They mostly seem to be a cautionary tale against being nice to pretty women cuz like they were like they would ask you to pray for them and like ask for blessings and stuff in the sources I found. So it's like the cautionary tale is like, don't give this woman bread. Don't pray for her. Let her starve. <laughs> like... <laughs> Classist. So next up is um the upir, which is quote unquote Slavic. Um, and the legends I could find about it were mostly Polish with a little bit of Ukraine and Belarus thrown in. Um, and this one is one of the alleged origins of the word vampire in English. Cause you can kind of hear the similarity upir. Um, And this is a really broad one. It sounds like it was very different from community to community across this pretty big region of Eastern Europe. And There's so many ways to make one and they're all super fun. So you can be a person cursed before death, a person who died suddenly, someone whose corpse was desecrated, a quote unquote dead person over whom an animal jumped, a suicide victim, a witch, an unbaptized child, a dead person buried in an old shirt, Or someone killed by another oopier. So um tag yourself, why are you a vampire? Why are you an oopier? I think mm-hmm. an animal jumped over yeah, my, I, my dead body. She's a witch. <laughs> I died in an old t-shirt. <laughs> Buried in an old shirt. It does. This one in particular is super ableist because there's a bunch more other things that qualify you for like, ooh, this person might be might be an oopier or might turn into one when they die. And they're all just like basic shit that's like very oh, no. othering. So it's here we go, another list. Um other ways to be an Oopier. Be a redhead, Edward Cullen, be left-handed, people with a quote unquote limp unibrow or double set of teeth, people with a big head, that's me. Um, anyone who practices a non-dominant religion, and that depends on the individual community, what their dominant religion is. So like, it's a lot of really minor wow. things that can make you a vampire. So basically anyone who disagrees with you is a vampire. <laughs> exactly. It's like a great excuse to like other, yeah. absolutely anyone. It's, it sounds
0: like similar to people who were accused of being a witch or... Yes. Yeah.
1: Vampirism, um, as we know it, like culturally didn't really pop up until like 1800-ish, like late 1700s, and then it didn't really kick off until Dracula, which was written in the 1890s. So like there's a long time where people they had this concepts, these more localized, like cultural specific types of vampire, but they didn't have the word vampire and it wasn't this like universal concept that we think of it as today. Uh the only parallels with like upirs is that they quote unquote drink human blood and they have super strength like that was kind of the only twilight parallels in those ones but that one is so varied that i feel like you could probably find sources for it that match with different twilight things because there's just so many different conflicting accounts of that one uh next up on the list i'm gonna butcher this pronunciation i tried to find it i don't think this is right but it's the uh is the best pronunciation i could find for this one it's romanian sounds good Once again, it's suicides and unbaptized babies. But the notable difference about this one is they can be also born vampires. They can be born a vampire. Oh. Um, Renesmee vibes. Yeah, big Renesmee vibes. And they're supposed to be pale with, quote unquote, Hmm. (laughs) they're pale with dried out skin.
0: I I think I I just had a weird, like, Benjamin Button image in my head.
1: Ew. It did make me think of the Breaking Dawn Romanian vampires who are said to have this, like, weird consistency of, like, chalky, papery skin as opposed to the other vampires. So I was like, huh, I wonder if that's where she got this idea. But maybe I'm giving her too much credit. Yeah, I wouldn't. So they can also, they have cool powers, these guys. These guys can shapeshift into animals. They can cause a lunar or solar eclipse, also very Twilight-adjacent. And they have psychic astral projection abilities, Hell which yeah. I wrote down follows Avatar The Last Airbender rules, which I think what I meant by that Woo-hoo! is that if you if you move their body while they're astral projecting, they can't get back into their body. I think that's what I meant there. Oh, no. oh. Um, so, yeah, that's them back. kind of interesting. Like they have psychic powers, which is closer again to Twilight vampires. So that's maybe the parallel there. Um, none of the sources I could find on those corroborated Stephanie's allegation in the books that Varkalak are beautiful. I didn't find any evidence to support that. Uh, they're just supposed to be a paler version of how the person looked in life because they're a corpse now. We've got two more. So the second to last one, the nilepsy. Um, those ones are Czech from Czechoslovakia slash Czech Republic now. Um, they are indeed, as Stephanie says, known for slaughtering whole villages. Hell yeah. They also carry a plague with them wherever they go. Hell yeah. And they torture their victims. So these guys are like- Even better. Probably the worst ones. Nice. They're bros. And they're notably described as ugly. They have greasy hair and like a million needle fangs in their mouth. So not very pretty. And they're always naked or wearing their burial shroud. They're usually naked. So that's a fun detail. Um, nice the twilight parallels for that one are again supernatural strength and speed they're not harmed by the sun and their hunger is never fully satisfied which is kind of a twilight vampire thing (laughs) and then um then we get to our last little good guy vampire just a one little footnote of a good guy vampire and this one i swear to god if you google strigoni benefici all you will find is carlisle cullen wall-to-wall carlisle Yeah, because results. stephanie made it up
0: oh really
2: yeah this is the only google search that she made Yes. Up.
1: yeah and if you google it your the first results are like some of our tumblr friends <laughs> posting about it um it does tell you in later twilight books it's like carlisle is responsible for this vampire myth existing which i think is fun People have gotten very creative with the the backstory there of like, how exactly did Carlisle become an Italian vampire myth? That is one fun
2: thing because I like to just shit on Carlisle. That is one thing. I think him having a myth named after him and him having this like legend fully based off of him. Very cool. Very fun. Very interesting. Would like to see that explored more.
1: I had so much fun duplicating Bella's research. She guess has this line where she says, I was sitting in my room researching vampires. What was wrong with me? <laughs> And I was like, dude, same. She's so
0: embarrassed. Yeah. She gets
2: so embarrassed <laughs> over the fact that she even Googled the word vampire. Like she gets mad. But she like, she gives
0: up.
1: Yeah. She gives up. She's like, fuck this. I'm done. <laughs> she's so embarrassed. She has to go touch grass immediately. She does. When she realizes, okay, they
2: Edward really might be a vampire. And she's like, weighing her options. I really like that entire scene because like, she's like, I have two things that I can do. Either I can be like, you're right, I'll stay away, whatever. Or I can just like continue on with this because she says, and I quote, if it was a reflex to save lives, how bad could it or he be? And I agree with her there. Yeah. No, she's, she's because doing very much like, I'm a monster. I am evil. I'm the worst.
1: She's doing a good job weighing like his actions against his words and seeing like yes. which one is actually. And in her experience, at least, true. Like, she doesn't know he was planning to kill their whole science class. Yes. She just knows he saved her. <laughs> and that was his first instinct was to save her. So, like, she's kind of right. Like, he's genuinely not, um, at this point, a threat to her. Yeah. Except maybe a threat to her privacy. Jesus Christ. Oh, no.
0: She admits to herself that she says, like, quote, that she's, I was already in too deep. So cue the sum 41 self-aware <laughs> deep
2: and no i really i like bella in this chapter for the most part or at least in the first half of the chapter i don't remember the second half yet we'll go through the notes but i really like that she's like she weighs her options and honestly go off girl let's get you some dick <laughs>
1: I like how she describes the the woods in the same way she describes cars she tells you all the names of the trees and then she's like but I didn't know any of the names of the trees And it's like (laughs) yes you do (laughs) you just told us them yeah you do she also talks about how Charlie taught her all these tree names which I think is so cute this image of like Charlie teaching his young daughter about nature I love him it's super sweet he loves nature he likes to be one with nature
2: He's an outdoorsy guy. Um, but should we get a title drop? Yes, title yep, drop. we do
0: get a title drop. First title drop. Page 139. Even if, but I couldn't think it, not here, alone in the darkening forest, not while the rain made it dimmest twilight under the canopy and pattered like footsteps across the matted earthen floor.
2: I put the book down. I was
1: like, Ooh, yes, twilight, there it is. Ah. And I think we get, We're. it's like first of at least two, maybe three title drops that we get in this book, but it's notable Are occasion. Are there there's at least one more. Yeah, there's a few. But this is the first title drop. Hey, it's cause for it's celebration. It's so exciting. Oh, random fact about this chapter. Um,
2: I didn't know that Charlie is balding because I think about the Charlie actor all the time and his little head hair. Charlie's balding in the book. He's got a receding hairline. Yes.
1: Yeah. Or that he has he has curly hair, curly hair receding curly um, receding hair billy burke does not have i love that little paragraph about charlie there's some good charlie moments first of all he congrats to charlie on his large successful fish catch um yeah
0: <laughs> uh happy father's day to charlie, happy
1: happy father's father's day to charlie. Day. that was yesterday yeah happy father's day to charlie billy harry carlisle all the dilf crew you know you love to see it Me too. The dilf crew but yeah no the charlie passage is interesting she talks about how she could kind of see what Renee must have seen in him back in the day, because he's kind of handsome. She's like, oh, my dad's kind of handsome. And um, she mentions that Charlie and Renee eloped when they were 20 and 19. so Respectively, yeah. That's why they're so against early marriage. And I don't blame them one bit.
2: There is also a really funny part where she goes to, because it's it's suddenly we have these beautiful days. Bella gets her son finally. Yes, Sunny. She gets her son. And on one of the days, she goes to open her window and she thinks like, wow, I can't believe that opened
1: so smoothly. (laughs) you recall last episode i didn't catch that oh my god Mm, it opened so smoothly edward has been oiling her window oh my god i hate it here i'm gonna cry i opened the window
0: surprised when it opened silently without sticking not having opened it in who knows how many years and sucked in the relatively dry air oh Oh. it's so fucked up (laughs) it's
2: so bad that's
1: such a good yeah, one.
2: It's really funny. Wow. You know, what else is really funny is that when Bella's finally at school, reveling in the sunshine, she gets to school early just so she can sit in the sun. Eventually Mike approaches her. And w- while Mike approaches her, I need you all to know that we get our first mention of khakis. Yes. I have this too. is wearing khaki shorts. Mike is wearing khaki shorts. And that is, if anything that just proves that he should be taken seriously as a Love interest for Bella because he's wearing khakis too. So true. So
1: true. Mormon author approved. Oh my (laughs) God. Khaki shorts and a striped rugby shirt for Mike.
0: I will say the, the, the idea that the, that somewhere where it's cold and rainy, usually that the second it's anywhere over 60 degrees, everyone's in shorts and t-shirts. That is very accurate. (laughs) Yeah.
1: 100%. Yeah. (laughs) I like all the activities Bella is doing. She, she brings her raincoat and she sits on it because everything's wet. And she doesn't want to get her her ass wet, her jeans or whatever she's been wearing. Um, she sits on her coat, and then she starts doodling. She's trying to do homework, but instead she doodles five pairs of dark eyes, which. Was she drawing all five Cullen siblings? I... Stalker behavior. What in the hell, Bella? She could have been. I just think it's important to note all these moments when Bella is just as much of a stalker as Edward. Like, they're made for each other. She, If she yes. had the power to climb in his window, she fucking the would. The obsession. Yeah, they
0: really are. They're the same flavor of weird.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. That, like
0: normally, Normally, someone would be like, ah, that's a red flag, but they're like, Oh. I like that.
1: She's like, you're a freak. I kind of like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Classic Tumblr post. Her exchange with Mike's cute. I said her talking to Mike about the Macbeth essay is me and Shannon. I had a note that says, uh, gee, I need your thoughts on Bella's essay subject. Because Mike's
2: like, what did you, what are you writing your like uh, Shakespeare essay on? And she's like, something about
1: misogyny or whatever. I don't remember. Yeah,
0: and Shakespeare characters, I think. She's talking
1: about Macbeth. She's talking about whether the treatment of the female characters in Macbeth is misogynistic. Um, and Mike just looks at her blankly like he has no clue what the fuck she's talking about. I am Mike. Is Mike a himbo? Big time. Oh, he's <gasps> definitely a himbo. He's popular. He's wearing khaki yeah. shorts. I'm gonna find me a Mike. Her exchanges, I like her ex- whole exchange with him though. They're like happy to see each other. She's pretty kind to Mike in her internal monologue again, which is notable when she's so unkind to everyone yeah, else. because she's in a good mood. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she's like very patient with him and he actually kind of gets the hint for once
0: i really like that she's honest with him especially with the jessica stuff finally because she couldn't she doesn't she doesn't have to mention like hey i think this would make jessica upset or whatever but she does you know and like it clicks for him and like i think that was important and i don't know i appreciate that the relationship they have and the dynamic.
2: Yeah. I do enjoy that she's like, and if you tell anybody this, I will cheerfully beat you to death. Yeah.
1: That was funny. That's a great line. <laughs> Such a good line. But she gets invited out by the girls. Like, she's I like karma. She wing woman for Jessica and Jessica invited her on a fun outing. What I don't enjoy is that, like, While she's talking to Jessica
2: and she like doesn't immediately agree to the plans until Angela's like, will you like come out with us? And then she's like, fine. But when she's entering the cafeteria and realizes the cones aren't there, she like says something along the lines of, oh, I just stopped pretending that I'm even listening to Jessica. Uh. and it's like girl I was rooting for you this chapter and then you have to start being like rude about the people trying to be nice to you and include you again
1: yeah seriously like Jessica doesn't have to drive you it's like not a short drive it's a decently long drive to Port Angeles and like include you in these plans when like you're not even going to the dance you know like they're just inviting you to be nice no. and hang out she does
2: redeem it by seeming kind of excited for her girls night towards the end of the chapter but it's like if she's not going to get friends that have hobbies then just have hobbies at least Girl, no, she
1: comes around to it. She calls, I said, not Bella calling Jessica and Angela her girlfriends. That's another like <laughs> Stephanie Meyer is so fucking old. She thinks this is a totally hetero way to refer to your friends, and it just comes across as like, okay, Bella, you silly gay goose, you know, you and your girlfriends. Oh, me too. But I love that for them. I love their girls' night. I oh, love it. I'm obsessed.
0: Honorable mention just for movie Jessica, and because I, I absolutely adore her, I think Anna Kendrick killed it. Yeah. Um. Just in Bella and her girlfriends when Bella gets to the dance
1: and immediately sees Jessica. Gestures between her boobs. Bring that back up when we do Midnight Sun because it's going to be relevant. (laughs) Say yes. Done. (laughs) Um, She goes to gym and there's a lecture on the rules of badminton and she has a very funny quote. Um, where she says, "Never mind that the day after tomorrow, they would arm me with a racket and unleash me on the rest of the class. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know
0: what rules they're talking about in badminton Seriously. that it takes not one full period, but like enough time that they need to go into the next class.
1: Yeah. Like what the hell? Like badminton's-
0: badminton is pretty straightforward, <laughs> especially since they just did volleyball. They're pretty similar sports. They follow the same rules. Just saying. Good point.
1: That's my issue with Twilight right now. I also think we have to talk about how the part where Bella is, we need to mention this again in Midnight Sun and Life and Death, but she's reading Jane Austen and she's out in her yard on like a picnic blanket reading, which sounds so nice. I would like to do that. She has to keep switching books because the characters are named Edward. There's too many Edward and Edmund characters in her Jane Austen collection. Mm -hmm. Um, And she keeps getting frustrated and flipping to the next book. And then she says, weren't there any other names available in the late 18th century? (laughs) Which is so good. Nope.
0: yeah, that's a great line. My
1: other favorite line this chapter was when she says, my homework was done. The product of a slow social life. Girl, yeah. Literally, her hobbies are just like keeping herself alive and... Feeding her
2: father. Feeding her father and doing homework (laughs) and thinking, cutting things about other people that she doesn't see as mean. Okay,
0: but here's my thing. Her dad didn't ask her to take care of him. No. Exactly. He he makes a comment about it, that he's been surviving on his own for 17 years. Yep. Mm -hmm. But... The, the murderdom is just yeah he's like i can feed myself and even after he tells her that she's
2: still before she leaves or to go to she before she goes to sleep yeah, that like, night oh, you have sandwiches
0: and like everything's yeah. all set it's like girl you're doing too much please get a hobby
1: and like unlike you he has friends in a community that supports him see
0: honestly i picture charlie with like half a dozen of those like hungry man frozen dinners yes mm-hmm. yep
1: enjoying the games games.
0: like microwave steak and mac and cheese with some mashed potatoes that's that was his life i like
1: the vibe in the movies of like the diner waitress knows him and like knows his his order order. it's very cute small town like little community i do like that they do
2: that because it gives it gives a very cutesy community feel to forks that we don't get too much here We get more of a small town's just gossip in the books.
1: Yeah, no, I I like that, like, it kind of hints that, like, Charlie sees the town very differently from the way she does. Like, to him, it's like his beloved home and community. And then to her, it's like, this is the worst place on earth. But yeah, I mean, she's, I mean, at least we got to give her credit. She's, she did okay this chapter. She's going out with the girls. You know, she's giving it a chance. She did okay.
2: I'll give her that.
1: So I'll give her the fact that
2: she's trying for this chapter, but I will not be giving her MVP. Um, i want you both to state
0: your case for who you think should be mvp this chapter because mine is a wild card um mine goes without a doubt to mike i decided (laughs) as soon as i finished the chapter that mike was my mvp (laughs)
1: okay amazing what about you, G. I I was in a charitable mood and I was like, Bella's kind of the only one who does anything in this chapter. And like, she does some okay stuff. I'll, I was going to give it to her. But if you have a better idea.
2: Bella is kind of on her own there, but I think we forgot to mention the unsung heroes, or should I say, they they are doing many sung singing. Linkin Park. I think, they deserve, <laughs> I think Linkin Park deserves to be the MVP for this chapter.
1: Yes. Oh, Yes. <laughs> seconded no i think we can give it to them
0: fuck yeah this
1: chapter brought to you by lincoln park by hybrid
0: theory it's just it's so funny to me
1: keeping depression at bay one shriek and loud thumping bass at a time so should we go on to life and death here yes i'm ready
2: so life and death at first we get a weird lie that he lies to charlie about um like eating for some reason Where in twilight bell is just telling charlie like I'm not hungry so it's like boy can't just not want food i don't know that was the only thing at the very beginning that i saw a lot more dumbing down of the language i saw i noticed it happens a lot this chapter especially just like in twilight we get the the titular nightmare so I just wanted to let you all know, who are listening and cannot see me right now, is that I decided to do a little bit of um, a, like closet cosplay, because in Bella's dream nightmare, sorry. She describes Edward as just he, as he's standing at the edge of the the woods. He has his dark eyes and his glowing skin. Edith gets a full-blown description via bow For real,
1: describing outfits is for boys.
2: <laughs> describing outfits is for boys and I want to I want to go in there and let you know what's happening. So again, we get eat um in Twilight we get Edward's skin and eyes described, but Edith has, and I quote, she wore a black dress it hung all the way to the ground but exposed her arms to the shoulders and had a deep v cut or a deep cut v for a neckline then he says her nails were filed into sharp points and painted a red so dark they were almost as black as her dress her lips were the same color yep so that's why i look the way i do today <laughs> so he's he's whipped is what i'm hearing he exactly is so- it gives us such weird, horny boy energy that I didn't even like reading it. It was very weird.
0: I didn't like it. I'm sorry. What boy has ever noticed that a girl has her nails done? <laughs> for real.
2: Edith is serving cunts, honey. Like, come on, baby. Show us what you got. No,
1: Edith got all dressed up for this nightmare. She said, I'm going to serve the full horror look. Unlike lazy-ass Edward in his fucking khakis. I know. I'm so proud.
2: I'm proud of e- um, Nightmare Edith here. She's
1: really serving kind. You're right. You're right. I, I also So is Shannon. For I mean, you'll see her in the show notes if you go look. Serving cunt. If you go look, you'll see Shannon's Edith look. I think she should do a full Edith Cullen Make makeup a tutorial. Make Make a TikTok. I love that in this chapter... We both read this and I was like, oh my God, I got to run straight to the library. And Shannon was like, oh my God, I got to do a full makeup look. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so not like other girls. <laughs>
2: Literally, G is not like other girls, and I
1: am a dumb little bimbo girl. Also, happy bimbo Monday! <laughs> happy bimbo Monday to Shannon and Edith. Mm-hmm, to us queens, yeah.
0: Edith is celebrating. But other than that, like the nightmare
2: goes the same way. Um, Michaela does get the same mention that Mike gets in the nightmare because both Julie and Michaela are just like, "Oh, we gotta go," but. I mean, if Edith is standing at the edge of the uh, the woods looking like this, mm-mm, honey. Looking
0: like a fox? Mm,
2: come on. Looking like a little hottie? No, he simply can't. Yeah,
1: but Jules was probably just pouncing on her in a fit of lust, you know? Edith said, come and get it, honey. Exactly.
2: Bella gets ready for her little comfy day. She puts on comfy sweats. Beau puts on, quote unquote,
1: yesterday's jeans and an old sweatshirt. Gross. Comfy sweats for girls only. So they're starting their day. They got dressed. Bella tells us she never makes her bed. She's like, I made my bed, which I never do. Bo doesn't say that because Bo makes his bed every day. (laughs) He is a clean, neat, hygienic boy. He has, quote unquote, OCD. So he's got to make his bed every day. Unlike that slob Bella. I just wanted to highlight it because... It's kind of the only hint we get from her point of view that she's a slob. Like, all the other evidence that she's a slob is, like, from That's A, good a point. the contrast yeah. with Bo, or B, Edward's narration being, like, her room was a fucking mess. I broke it. Which is really funny. <laughs> um, so, like, Bella is so not self-aware, usually.
2: But no, eventually she goes to turn on her computer. And she, Bella has to fight for her life against these pop-up ads, which is honestly, it brings me back to being on the computer in like 2004, 5, 6, and
1: literally it's having so to fight
2: for your life. Yeah. Bo doesn't have to X out of shit.
1: Oh. He starts
2: his computer up and it behaves. Pop-ups for women? Pop-ups for women.
1: Do you think it's because it was written in 2015 and Stephanie had like, in the intervening years, forgotten that was a thing? <laughs>
2: forgotten about that. I just like to imagine... That she thinks only women are sensitive <laughs> to advertisements, like only women will see ad and be like, must buy. Women be shopping. Yeah. Women be only shopping. we are susceptible to marketing. Well, actually,
1: according to our last chapter, men be shopping. So they're they're advertising to the wrong people. These pop up ads. They should be targeting mm, good men. point and eating <laughs> shopping and eating. Speaking of eating. Bo and Bella both have cereal while they're getting on the computer. Only Bella finishes hers. Bo doesn't finish his.
0: (laughs) I really want to know what kind of cereal Bella eats.
1: You know it's some dry raisin bran. Bo can't finish his cereal because he eats too slowly and the last bites are too soggy to finish. Man's not hungry. Man's not hungry, Sam. Yeah. Also, I feel like Bo feels a lot stupider than Bella does as he's Googling, Googling vampire. I feel like the narration is a little different. Again, the the phrasing of a lot of things get changed in this chapter to make it seem dumbed down. But like... Bo, as a character, his internal monologue is more like "I felt like a fucking idiot," whereas Bella's kind of like, "Oh, I guess I'll Google vampire." He's like, "I'm literally the stupidest person alive for this." He's
2: like, "I'm dumb. I'm insane. I don't know what I'm doing," which which is kind of relatable, so I'll give him that there.
1: He also gets more Google results than Bella. Did you guys notice?
2: He does. He does.
1: Can you do have the list of who, what more, what else he gets or what she gets versus what he gets? I don't have the list of what she gets, but the ones that he gets that she doesn't are Halloween costumes and convention schedules. That's right. She's really on like a convention kick in the
2: second part of a... I mean, when was this written? 2015? Yeah. Or at least that's
1: when it was published. So
2: we're assuming so. I guess
1: Stephanie had been to a lot of conventions by then. Bo does get some much more fun Google results. I also like that um, Bella blames the town of Forks. For her clownery, while Bo does not. Bella's like, it's forks making me stupid. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't catch that. When Bo is agonizing over, like,
2: what to, what does all of this mean? Because Bo does the same thing where he wanders off into the woods and, like, he does the same thing about, like, let's go off the trail and not get lost. Um, He's, like, sitting there and having his meltdown. Um, Vampire thoughts. Bella lists a few different things that she's thinking about in terms of Edward like his whatever those traits are. And both of them, both Bo and Bella list inhuman beauty as a trait. Bo mentions that first when Bella, that's further down the list for her. She's talking about how Edward's magnetic personality draws Bella in. But for Bo, Edith has a magnetic body.
1: Don't love it. And I hate it here. Did you get the one about the different ways they speak? Who? Who speaks? Edward and Edith. So it says... Bella tells us that Edward talks like a turn-of-the-century novel, but Beau is sure to tell us that Edith talks like the historical romances my mom loved, because boys can't fucking read.
2: Renee Mm -hmm.
1: loves historical romance, not Beau. Don't get it twisted.
2: He doesn't fuck with that girly shit. Mm. Bo doesn't say Twilight, though, and I know that it's not the name of the book and we've already gotten the Life and Death title drop, but that upsets me that he doesn't say Twilight.
1: He says Dusk. That is sad. And that's that a huge sad. deal to me personally. She should have called this book Dusk instead of Life and Death. That would have been funny. Everyone would have ripped her to shreds Evening. if she did that. Even Even time. And I feel like that's the name of, like, 30,000
2: Twilight fan fictions. He has his little sunny weekend. He's, so, he's in such a good mood when he goes to school. Um... Michaela comes over to Bo just like Mike came over to Bella. They're chit chatting.
1: Wait, did like you talk about Michaela's outfit? We got to talk about Michaela's outfit. Oh, no. Ooh,
2: tell me about Michaela's outfit. I remembered it said something about a skirt, but I don't remember what else it said.
1: Tragically, Michaela is not wearing khaki because khaki is for boys mm. in this chapter, rather controversially. That damn. Khaki is for boys only. <laughs> um, Michaela is wearing a tank top and, quote unquote. Honestly, it's because
0: it's hard to fit ass in khaki. <laughs>
1: Michaela's got a dump truck That's ass. That's the tea. <laughs> That's funny. Michaela is not wearing khaki. She's wearing a tank top and <laughs> a skirt that reaches to middle middle of her thighs, which not very god honoring of you Michaela. Except that it kind of is. Like middle of your thighs is pretty long. Is that just me? Like, No,
0: I think that sounds pretty standard school dress code.
1: My question was going to be, do we think Stephanie is trying to make Michaela's outfit dress code compliant? Or do we think she's just, in her Mormon opinion, that's a scandalous and sexy skirt length? Both, honestly. Um, so weigh in, guys. If you think, tell us whether you think it was a dress code thing or a Mormonism thing that Michaela's wearing a medium length skirt. Bo
2: does not get points this chapter. Once again, describes Michaela as annoying. I think it's right before at the beginning of this conversation and he's in a good mood. And this is the way that he's thinking about her still, even though he has like a good convo with her and he turns her down um, nicely the same way Bella does just being like, I don't think Jeremy would like that, but he breaks man code, which is so fucking stupid.
1: Well, I think it's notable that, like, I think the reason that's there is that she didn't want to have Beau say the same fun line as Bella, where he threatens to cheerfully beat Michaela (laughs) to death. Because, again, that's a little different coming from a guy to a girl. You're right. (laughs) She didn't have him say that to cute little Michaela in her skirt. Um, But he does say something else weird, which he says, it's your word against mine which comes across as pretty sinister to me. It is.
2: I love that. He says that I, I kind of like that. I didn't know about that because he's like, I'll just fucking lie about it. What are you going to do? <laughs> he's like, I'll fucking lie. If you say shit, that's kind of like what Edward and Edith said in the van chapter. They're like, no, one's going to believe you. <laughs> yeah. He's taken a page out of Edith's book. He's like, she, her gaslighting has been working really well on me. I'm taking a page out of that book because she's doing something right. He
1: learned from the master. I also think it's notable. The, the, um, the exchange where they talk about the essay is gone. Because heaven forbid a boy write an essay about misogyny. We can't that's a women's studies issue. Bo isn't a women's or study. Or the writer. fact that a boy finished his essay ahead of time for class.
0: Because True. Bella makes a point to not tell Mike that she's finished in order to spare his feelings twilight the girls go to port angeles to go dress shopping and that's
2: where bella gets her invite in life and death the boys are going to go to port angeles to quote unquote catch a movie and order corsage corsages because they don't need to dress up yesterday's jeans and an old sweatshirt
1: will do the trick that's what these wear into the dance it's exactly what they wear into the dance old clothes dirty khaki clothes. shorts wear your khaki shorts to the dance khaki
0: shorts to the dance absolutely <laughs> can you imagine i just pictured a khaki tuxedo
1: that's exactly what edward would wear to a dance <laughs> If Alice wasn't there to stop him, he would just khaki tuxedo everywhere.
2: Aw, Alice, I miss her.
1: Babe, the khaki tuxedo stays on during sex.
0: (laughs) Yes, it does! (laughs) That's the honeymoon.
2: Oh, my God. Um, when Bo realizes that the Collins aren't in school, he's a little more paranoid than Bella is. Like, Bella's really upset about it. She's like, oh, yeah. she's, like, depressed about it, because they're gone, because it's so sunny. But Bo is a little more paranoid. Paranoid. He's like, what if she's on to me? Like,
1: what if she knows I figured something out? He thinks it's his fault. He's It's his fault that she somehow knows he googled vampires, which, like, he's not totally wrong. Like, she is stalking you. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> It's not out of the realm of possibility for her to know that. She doesn't, but he doesn't, you know, she knows a bunch of other weird shit about your daily life habits. Could you imagine if Edward and Edith, like when they were breaking
2: into Bella and Bo's rooms, they like turn on the old computer. Bella just keeps waking up to her computer starting up. And she's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> because she's here.
1: It's the AOL dial-up tone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's waking her up at 3
1: a.m oh that'd be funny she'd be like this room's haunted as shit
2: we check her search
1: history and see what she's been googling yeah
2: oh yeah so um where bella reads austin oh my god oh can't he couldn't why could he how could he no he has he's to, illiterate he has to read Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea um i wrote here my note was i don't even know what this Ew. book is about or the genre gee give me a quick yeah, summary what the hell is oh, this god.
1: It's exactly what it sounds like. It's about a submarine crew going on a submarine voyage with lots of cool sea monsters and stuff. It's like adventure story, like vintage adventure. If you
0: don't want to read the book, there's that (sighs) Journey to the Center of the Earth movie series starring Josh Hutchinson, (laughs) or Hutcherson, whatever. And the second one is about this movie, or that book. That's fucking
1: hilarious. I was kind of pissed about it because... The Jane Austen thing, it's relevant to the story because it's, she's reading about characters named Edward. It's kind of like a funny joke that she can't get away from him. This one has no Ediths. There are zero Ediths in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. So I was like, she couldn't have found a book with an Edith for him to read about. I'm imagining instead a passage where he's like, "Ah, oh, I tried to watch my favorite show, Downton Abbey, and I couldn't listen to my favorite singer, Edith Pia. <laughs> and... Every Allstate commercial was pure torture. Like, I think that would have been so much more fun.
0: Bo is a bro who probably watches Deadliest Catch, so <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he, has to, he has to read
2: a book about fish. For him enjoying ocean things and enjoying 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, why doesn't he
1: like going fishing? Suck it up, dude. <laughs> For real. Like, go hang out with your dad, you brat. I just love the difference between, like, Bella reading about, like, quaint Jane Austen comedy of manners versus Bo being like, where's my giant squid? <laughs> They're both laying on the grass, Bella and
2: Beau in their respective books. Bella thinks about how nice the sun feels on her skin. Beau says, fine, whatever. I'd get a sunburn instead. (laughs) So sunscreen, I guess, is for women or just caring? I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, that is... I think that is accurate, though I will... I can agree with that. Sunburn is for boys. I don't think Bella's wearing sunscreen here. I think she's- just Sunburn is for boys. Yeah. But he's super sad because, I mean, like, he hasn't seen
2: Edith. The Cullens are gone. He thinks it might be his fault. Um, Bella describes her depression in Twilight. She mentions a line about her depression. Beau calls his depression in Life and Death idiotic. Bella doesn't say that. Self-aware king. Self-aware king. He's like, my idiotic depression. It's like, ooh- Interesting. I think
1: it's important to note, though, that that passage worrying about Edith is completely not in Twilight. Bella falls right to sleep. Beau, like, lays around thinking about why Edith missed school, telling himself he totally doesn't believe in vampires. He has a really excellent line. I needed to stop being so paranoid. No one had ever found neuroticism attractive. And I doubted Edith would be the first. Being
2: neurotic, a neurotic little fuck. Again, Bella still preps Charlie dinner for when she's going to be in Port Angeles. Bo just says, "Get fucked old man." he doesn't prep shit. He doesn't prep shit, <laughs> he doesn't. Um, doesn't prep shit. so funny <laughs> He also seems much more confident in his knowledge that Edith and the Collins are vampires.
1: Bella doesn't seem ch- as keen on using the word. What other comments did you have, G? So he's wondering about his Seattle trip with Edith and whether it's still on. And he says, but then who knew what social rules vampires felt com- compelled to follow? And I said, well, Bo, as we find out in this next chapter of Midnight Sun, not many.
2: Nope, not at all. C- little criminals.
1: All right. So MVP.
2: I, I have a, just a very normal MVP for this, for this chapter here. I think the MVP should be Michaela just because Bo called her annoying and he fucking hate when he does that. Because he called her annoying a couple times already, I think. And I just shut up. So I, my MVP is Michaela. State your, state your cases. What, what do you guys think?
1: I can give it to Michaela. No, I mean, I said
0: Mike for Twilight, so I support Michaela as well. Mm, yeah. My
1: little girl boss. Good for her. I think that's fun. Linkin Park and Michaela. Linkin Park is essential to the Twilight universe. The Twilight cinematic universe. Hit us with your list, girl. Okay, you ready? Things that are for men. Describing people's outfits, wearing the same jeans two days in a row, khaki shorts, homework, giant squid, narwhals, neuroticism, sunburn, and going to the movies. (laughs) Things that are for women. Black lips that match your black pointy nails. Comfy sweats. Pop-up ads. Finishing your cereal. (laughs) Having red in your hair. Cheerfully beating people to death. And most importantly, having girlfriends. That's for women. If you're a a boy, you can't have a girlfriend. Girlfriends for girls only. Happy Happy Pride. Pride.
2: Are you guys ready for
1: Midnight Sun Talk? Gee, I'm so excited for you to talk about this chapter because this chapter is so fucking fun. I will say I do slightly object to the title of this chapter because I feel like a chapter called Ghost should have some ghosts in it. But we'll quickly learn the reason for the (laughs) title is super lame. It's just utterly... Edward Lame. Um, the opening passage of this chapter is some of the most pretentious nonsense he has spouted yet. He tells us he doesn't see much of Peter and Charlotte because he's behaving more like a ghost than a vampire. And then he has this, um, he's basically saying, like, I could be hanging out with Jasper's cool friends, but instead I'm gonna sneak and creep and stalk Bella. And he the way he describes it is so pretentious. He says, I hovered, invisible in the shadows, where I could follow the object of my love and obsession, where I could see her and hear her in the minds of the lucky humans who could walk through the sunlight beside her, sometimes accidentally brushing the back of their her hand with their own. She never reacted to such contact. Their hands were just as warm as hers. <laughs> like, fucking, I'm gonna play you a song on the world's tiniest violin, Edward. Jesus Christ. I'm not. I'm gonna hit him upside the head with it. He's just like, peak insufferability. And his behavior, like, it just gets worse. Um, We find out he was watching her conversation with Mike from the woods, because remember, Mm. this chapter starts about a day later. And when Mike did that thing where he noticed the red in Bella's hair and tucked it behind her ear, Edward accidentally uprooted the young spruce tree his hand was resting on. So he's, like, going full incel, watching this conversation go down from the woods, uprooting trees. Mike is just being a just a normal kid trying to get a date with the girl. He has a crush on and Edward's like, I'm going to fucking kill him. Yep. It's very tame flirting. Actually, um, drink again, drink again for thoughts of Mike murder. I do like, though, that Mike does think of him as
2: a freak, and every time Mike thinks the word freak in reference yes. to Edward, it adds a little bit onto my lifespan,
1: so thank you, Mike, you're gonna make me immortal,
2: bestie, love Same. You. this
1: one's for you. I also think it's notable that it not only does he want to kill Mike in this scenario, he also wants to snatch Bella up and, like, physically kidnap her because another guy asked her out. Ed flag number five million. Like. Oh, man. He decides that, like, the reason Mike Mike hasn't noticed Jessica is into him is because Mike is so selfish. Unlike Bella, who's a perfect, unselfish genius who has never been inconsiderate of anyone else's feelings in this entire book. If only he could hear her thoughts. If only he could hear her thoughts. If only he could hear her thoughts. For real. They would have not ended
2: up together
1: in the first place. She would have been just dead. But I think the most important part of this passage is that we learn it's actually canon that Jessica has bigger boobs than Bella's. The boob passage. This is the boob passage. Congrats to Miss Stanley on those huge naturals.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry, what? Yeah, Mike has
1: this trail
2: (laughs) of thought when he's like thinking like, wait a second, Jessica's into me and he's walking away and he's thinking, huh bigger i guess she does have bigger boobs than bella and honestly hats off to mike for the funniest thing (laughs) any of the characters could have thought in the
0: entirety of this book so like yeah that's funny
1: jessica's boobs are like a thing in the movies they're a character they're a supporting character at this point
0: or jessica's boobs can i nominate them for the mvp honestly you You totally could
1: we have an early nominee for midnight sun chapter eight jessica's boobs this is also notably the first time we get to hear about how much Edward appreciates Angela and how she's so kind. And he wants to compensate her somehow for letting him stalk her brain in order to stalk Bella more conveniently. Yeah.
2: He's like, her head's such a nice place to be because she's such a nice girl.
1: Date her then. He says, he, he notes he's listening when she makes plans to go to Port Angeles with the other girls. And he says, I automatically planned my own surveillance. <laughs> This is fucking nine one one. He's planning his own surveillance.
2: surveillance. Ugh, I don't like that. God, yeah, he like talks about the surveillance, and then he even says the words like
1: "my nightly pursuits." It's like you mean breaking and entering, my guy. He sounds like a freakish, like militia, like guy who thinks he's like <laughs> defending democracy or something. Like <gasps> oh, he's telling God. himself like it's surveillance. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's crimes. It's crimes. Ed flag after Ed flag. I was so bored by his stalking of Bella though.
2: Like I was, and it's not because it's the third time we're seeing these scenes. It's repetitive. It's just so, I'm bored of it. It's like, yeah, we get it. You have your monologue. It's super repetitive in this chapter. Um, And while he's thinking about his stalking and how he needs to watch Bella to keep her safe, he says a line that just makes me mad. And it says, I knew Jasper had warned his one time brother to avoid the town. First of all, fuck off you little freak. Uh, Don't you dare speak ill of Peter. We like Peter. We love Peter in this We house. love Peter.
1: Um, I think you missed the better part of that line, though. Better better part of that line. I think, first of all, I think the one-time brother thing is in there to be like, no homo. <laughs> because I think the connection between Jasper and Peter is quite profound mm. and beautiful. Um, I love them. And I them. think Stephanie needs to just let it be a little bit gay. Let it be a little bit gay. Let Jasper be the slut of the series. <laughs>
0: For real. Let the homies be homosexual.
1: The fun part of that line is that Jasper, when he's telling his homies to stay away from town, he cites Edward's insanity as both explanation and danger. So he's like, don't go into town or Edward's going to fucking murder you because he's gone a little bit crazy this week, (laughs) um, stalking this girl. So like, just don't do it. Imagine being Peter or Charlotte, though, and you're coming to visit
2: and like your friend who you're visiting is like, I have to fill you in on something kind of fucking crazy. Come here. I want to be in Peter and Charlotte's heads for this chapter. They're like, this will be a normal visit.
1: And it was not. For real. We get just a little bit of their heads at the very end. And it's so great to see Edward specifically through their eyes. It's so funny. Okay. Well, we got to again, talk about Jane Austen some more. Um, Because it's interesting here that like Bella, Edward tells us where Bella stops in the books he, like, is reading over her shoulder with his, like, super sight, I guess. Um, and he tells us that in Sense and Sensibility, she stops one paragraph before Edward Ferrars is introduced. And in Mansfield Park, she stops on the paragraph where Edmund is first mentioned. Um, so this this chapter is just, like, Edward and Bella Jane Austen book club, basically. And I'm just imagining Edith reading over Bo's shoulder about the narwhals and giant squid. Like, what is he doing? <laughs> He's just
0: listen she's gonna let him hit it because he's goofy and that's it
1: (laughs) i just think it's funny that he's reading over her shoulder and he sees exactly where she stops in these paragraphs where edward and edmund come up and he's this fucking genius century old vampire still cannot put it together that the reason she's angry at her book is because it's his name popping up over and over fucking moron I think we have to mention that like the reason this is in here at all is like Stephanie Meyer's Austin obsession. She is majorly obsessed with Jane Austen. She has a whole movie she produced about Austen stuff. Come on girl. I, I mean like I like Jane Austen. I've read her stuff. But like this whole paragraph feels very weird and unnatural and like why are we hearing so much about precisely whisp- which passages bella is reading it really feels like stephanie like unnecessarily shoehorning in her other like hyperfixation into the book mm. um so more power to her i guess no i don't want her no no power to her his stalking is it is getting boring and what's getting most repetitive of at all is him constantly justifying it to himself um it's like this passage where he says I felt an uncomfortable spasm of guilt, because what I was doing now was not precisely good, but it wasn't anywhere near as bad as my nightly pursuits. I wasn't technically even trespassing now. The base of this tree, he's in a tree, grew from the next lot over, let alone doing something more felonious. But I knew that when night came, I would continue to do wrong. Title of his sex tape.
2: I hate it here.
1: I hate you. I hate this book. I hate Edward. I fucking hate it here. He's like, technically
0: I'm not being a creep because I'm not on her property. Dude, looking for loopholes is still creepy as hell. Yes,
2: he's like the guy on Twitter that starts arguing with you, and then he starts like sharing dictionary definitions.
1: He's yeah, he's he's like trying to use technicalities to justify what he knows is shitty behavior. He's like, well, I'm technically watching her from a tree on someone else's property. Like that's not. Better. And he even he even drags poor Mike into this because he's like, I'm nothing like that disgusting pig, Mike Newton. We got to read that passage in full when we get to it. But first, there's another. Another passage that I'm like, oh my god, this is gonna have to be a new I think it's it kind of fits into an old drinking game rule, but he tells us the only reason that he even stays up in the tree in the first place, the only reason he doesn't jump down and go watch her sleep from fucking right up in her business, um, is that he's disgusting in the sunlight. He's so disgusting in the sunlight. He's is Edward a homophobe. He says, Could I be any more grotesque? Which is another title of his sex tape. (laughs) And again, he's not thinking she's going to be terrified because a strange man is broken into her property and is standing over her watching her sleep. She, no, she's going to be terrified because he's glittering. <laughs> Bella's just terrified of glitter. She, it's her number one fear. Know. Sparkles are scary. She can't get within five miles of a strip club or Coachella. Like she's too afraid of glitter. It's an
0: irrational fear.
1: Yeah. That's why she had to quit ballet. <laughs> they made her put makeup on once. <laughs> <laughs> and then she says Edmund in her sleep um and edward thinks back to a couple chapters ago i think it was episode five where she said his name in her sleep and he realizes like oh edward you dumbass she was dreaming of jane austen characters and specifically he says all along her dreams had been filled with hugh grant in a cravat which feels to me like a little bit of a what were you doing at the devil's sacrament situation <laughs> because it's like edward if austin is so gay and so for women how do you know about Hugh Grant and a cravat? Why is that your first thought, sir? No, what are you doing <laughs> at the devil's sacrament? Again, like shoehorning in her Jane Austen fandom and her like movie fandom. Not even Jane Austen. Jane Austen adaptation fandom of she likes Hugh Grant in a cravat, I guess. Um, Now we get to Charlie's thoughts. What were your thoughts on Charlie's thoughts? I, I didn't have any thoughts about Charlie's thoughts because th- I'm just so... Bored by edward's stalking i want to watch peter and charlotte playing football with the cullens all right well i'll try to fast forward through the rest of the stalking as much as possible because this is just a stalking heavy chapter it's real repetitive yeah um but yeah he once again listens to charlie's thoughts he's not just stalking bella he's also violating charlie's privacy so that's great Ew. um he listens to charlie's thoughts and all he picks up on is vague annoyance and hunger. That's for you, Sam. Man's hungry. <laughs> um, and he he also notices the other thing in Charlie's thoughts is they're full of love and concern for Bella, which I think is just so He nice. love him, daughter. Oh, he love him, daughter. Happy belated Father's Day, Charlie. Yeah, he once again, he makes plans to stalk her to Port Angeles. Um, and then we get what Shannon alluded to earlier, the really excellent passage about how he's so much better than Mike Newton. And it's egregious here because he accuses Mike of crimes that Mike is not even committing. Edward is the one committing crimes <laughs> in this chapter. And he he has the nerve to say, and then I left knowing I would return while she was asleep, ignoring every ethical and moral argument against my behavior. But I certainly would not trespass on her privacy the way the peeping Tom would have. I was here for her protection, not to leer at her in the way Mike Newton no doubt would, were he agile enough to move through the treetops. I would not treat her so crassly. Which, ah, this is so uncalled for. Mike did nothing it's of the so kind, sir. To drag Mike into this. He's literally like,
2: I'm nothing like that disgusting pig Mike Newton, but I'll be damned if I don't break into this girl's bedroom and watch her sleep
0: without her knowing. Yeah. I hate him so much. I don't know where Edward gets off talking like that.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry to any Edward... Fans that are listening to this who are thinking, no, no, I'm sorry. I simply can't. I can't. Yeah, I don't like him. I can't stand for
1: this. This is, he just doesn't come off looking great in this chapter. Um, and especially because it reminds me so much of like incel talk. He's like, I'm not like that nasty, horny yes. bastard, Mike Newton. I'm a gentleman, milady. He's like tipping his fedora here. Like, I'm a nice guy. <sighs> Literally, Edward, right at this second, Mike is probably at a nice candlelight dinner sharing a slice of cheesecake with jessica and admiring her tits in the candlelight you know like her edward is out exactly. here in a fucking tree getting shat on by pigeons mike has a great <laughs> date night with jessica and her fabulous tits sorry that mike is just winning
0: i think edward is just really insecure about the fact that he knows that mike pulls more pussy than he does
1: the virgin edward and the chad mike newton <laughs>
0: chad mike newton <laughs> Oh, Mike Newton. I've really grown to love him.
1: He Edward wishes he had the class of Mike Newton.
0: Honestly, he took his rejection so well. Like, how many men get frustrated when they get turned down? Like, he was just kind of, okay, reflected on it. Yeah. Realized there was a girl who was really interested in it and, like, pulled her chair out for her. God, Come
2: on. Mike's a good guy. Yes. Mike's a good guy.
0: Look, a 17-year-old. Edward, how old are you? No excuses. None, no excuses. Emotional maturity of an eight-year-old.
1: I swear to God. Speaking of getting ass and people who get ass, Emmett. We love Emmett. We love <laughs> Emmett. And in this chapter, he fucking... He leaves Edward a note, inviting him to play football with the whole family and Peter and Charlotte, Jasper's friends, the guests who are there. And I am so mad that Edward says no, because we could have had a whole other scene of vampire sports. Like,
2: What Mm. was his
0: reasoning for not wanting to play? he had to stalk Bella. Oh.
2: Yeah, he has to keep her safe from spiders in her room and stuff. He can't play football because he has to watch Bella sleep. Right. Ugh. Yeah, he, like, scribbles the word Ugh. sorry under, and it's pleading no. And it's like, don't even, don't even apologize, you soggy rat. On the other hand, I
1: bet they had a lot more fun without Edward present. Oh, they absolutely, oh, absolutely. had more fun. I just needed him to be present because <laughs> he's the POV character.
0: Like, I bet, like, I'm sure he's fine, whatever, but... At the end of the day, he can hear everything that you're thinking. Like, that's a wet blanket. I'm sorry. I'm gonna, like, think one wrong thing and be dead.
1: It's yet again another example of, like, the Cullen family actually having fun and doing activities together and, like, doing things with their vampire powers, like, playing games and having a fun time with their friends. It just sounds so nice. Exactly. Yeah, like, Edward, where are your friends, bitch? (laughs) He has
2: zero. He has poor self-control. Yeah, he also has friends. He has
1: to... Edward has to punish himself. That's why he can't have friends.
2: Ugh, I blame Carlisle.
1: His only friends are his siblings and his mom. His mom is like his, his best mom. friend. His mom! The people that have to love him. Yeah, no, so he instead of playing football, he goes to Bella's house. He watches her sleep. And this time she's thrashing around and muttering derogatory things about forks in a glum voice. So, yeah, par for the course for Bella. Sounds about right. Yep. And then we get the whole next day. He once again stalks her through school. It's very boring. I'm not going to get into it. He's planning on how he's going to stalk the girls to Port Angeles, but he doesn't want to follow them directly because then he'd have to drive the speed limit, which is a hideous thought. It's so, again, like he's like, he can't even stalk right. He's, like, complaining about stalking. And it's like, th- you chose to do this. The most
0: mundane things are huge inconveniences.
1: Yeah, like, you don't have to do this. Go hang out with your siblings. Exactly. Stop being
0: a bitch. It is it's
1: fun,
2: though, because when he's trying to think, like, okay, I guess I'll just wait a little bit so I can, like, speed to Port Angeles and don't have to, like, obey the speed limit. He, like, goes home and we get some fun.
1: Yes, this is the one time he bothers to even say hi to their guests. He's the worst host. Never go to Edward's house. He's a terrible host. It's horrible. I personally think it's it's funny because of the physical descriptions of Peter and Charlotte. It's a little bit funny to imagine them playing football because um, Charlotte is described as Alice sized, and according to the guide, she's a little taller. She's five foot exactly, so she's towering over Alice. But like, just imagine <laughs> the two of them like teaming up against Emmett it is funny though because charlotte's like oh
2: my god he was so normal and pleasant last time we met and it's like girl you do not have to lie yes you you know that he can read your thoughts you don't have to lie right now just think what you want
1: well i i see it as like edward was faking it last time he was like trying being fake and like yes welcome to our home and -hmm. like this time he's just like mask off i don't give a fuck i'm sitting in the corner playing emo piano songs (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's right. He's literally playing piano while they're,
2: like, in the other room talking and, like, saying goodbye because they're about to leave. They've only been there a few days. They're about to go
1: home. They're about to go. It's so weird. Yeah. Edward, like, missed them completely. Peter's thoughts are interesting, though. Before we get to Peter, we have to get to Rosalie and Emmett because as soon as Edward gets home, Rosalie thinks, why even bother coming <sighs> Queen. home? Queen. Love that bitch. Queen. <laughs> love that bitch and Emmett thinks you're pathetic i can't believe you missed the game last night just to watch somebody sleep which um thank you Emmett, for validating my entire opinion <laughs> i love emmet and rosalie so much and then he says um everyone but esme stopped thinking about me after a moment because <laughs> like once again esme's just concerned she is just concerned for him and his behavior about her boy as she should be um but yeah and then we get um our little tiny crumb our smidgen of Peter and Charlotte thoughts. Any thoughts on I those? I love them
2: so much. I just got to say that, I mean, listen, you've all, if any listeners out there, welcome to episode seven. You
1: know, we like Jasper and Alice. Jasper and Joyers, Alice and and also Peter and Charlotte Enjoyers. The Peter and Charlotte backstory in the guide is so cute and so romantic. It's not just cute in like the friendship with Jasper sense, but like, it's just so nice. in like the way their relationship came about was like, very, a beautiful thing in a horrible circumstance. He really
2: saved her life and then he went back and saved Jasper's life.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, just like super quick summary version. Yeah. Um, get it. Jasper and Peter and Charlotte were all made vampires under these terrible circumstances. They were basically turned to be part of these endless wars. Um, by a vampire named Maria, who, do I even need to tell you, we are Maria Enjoyers mm. with a capital love E. her.
2: And for us Maria Enjoyers, it's very fun because Jasper brings Maria up when he's saying goodbye to Peter and Charlotte. He says, if you see Maria again, Jasper was saying a little warily, tell her I wish her well. Which is very funny because then
1: Edward goes on to talk about how, like, who Maria is. First of all, it's so fucking funny that Jasper is telling Peter to give give his best wishes to Maria. Um, because Peter's immediate reaction that Edward hears in his thoughts is like, uh, okay, I mean, she's fucking terrifying and she hates my guts, but like, sure, buddy, I'll pass along your good wishes. Second of all, um, the reason Maria hates Peter is because, quote unquote, Jasper had always been Maria's favorite. She considered it a minor detail that she had once planned to kill him. Which, that's the kind of batshit crazy I aspire to be. I love that for her. She's like, I mean, what's a little murder under the bridge? Come on. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And then, also, I love that, um, also in this passage, when Edward's reflecting on the relationship between these three guys, um, he says, Maria once visited the Collins in Calgary, and they, quote-unquote, had to move immediately. <laughs> And doesn't elaborate how many people she murdered or how many people she got the Cullens to murder. I need to know. What did she do? I feel like Stephanie's version of the Calgary story of what Maria did to drive the Cullens out of the entire country of Canada. um, is never going to be as good as the fanfic versions, which are so fun and creative and gory and thrilling. So many people have come up with different, including Shannon, by the way, you can read Shannon's version of what went down to check out the show notes. I love how she's so fucking powerful that even after she pulled whatever shit she pulled, Jasper and Peter are still terrified enough to, like, force to play nice with her. Like, they have to be polite with her. They just cannot afford to have her as an enemy because she's so cool and powerful. And Edward's like, she's undeniably dangerous, which is like, "Mm, give me that
2: girl, boss. Yeah, that's so cool. I want her. I want her Yeah, even
1: Edward's admitting it. They're all scared of her. Peter and Charlotte just have no fucking clue how to react to Edward's weirdness. They don't know this guy. They don't have the context. The rest of the family is kind of like, oh, fucking Edward. And the two of them are like, what is this guy doing? Like, Why can't we go into town or he'll kill us? Like, what is he? He comes home and just sits in the corner banging out tunes like just banging out some ballads. He sees them he sees himself from their point of view it's so nice to get like the normal vampire point of view on the Cullens because like Mm -hmm. they position themselves right when Edwards talking to Bella as like oh we're like vegetarians but the way Peter and Charlotte react to them. And, like, how weird they are makes it sound, like, more like they're breatharians. You know, like, they're so fringe. They're so weird to, to be doing this in vampire culture. They're, like, they're literally going to die. They're literally going to go crazy from and this Honestly, diet. they might. Um, and I think it is notable that, like, vegetarianism, a lot of people are vegetarian and vegan. There are only 12, quote-unquote, vegetarian vampires. So, it is, it's much more fringe within their, their culture. I love vampire culture. I also love... The part where (laughs) Emmett and Rosalie once again just team up to fucking roast Edward in their thoughts. It says, madman, Emmett threw after me. Idiot, Rosalie thought at the same time. Poor boy. And that was Esme. (laughs) So you've got, like, once again, Emma and Rosalie. And then Alice, like, fucking chill. They're going away. Yeah. Alice um, tells him. She shows him in her vision. She gives him concrete proof. Like, don't even worry about Peter and Charlotte. Look at this. They're not going to go anywhere near Port Angeles. They're not going to go anywhere near Bella. I have the proof right here. And Edward, quote, unquote, pretends not to hear. Because he needs that as his excuse to continue stalking Bella. Which he says. He says, right? He's like, I have to pretend not to hear because I need that excuse. My excuses were already flimsy enough. Mm, he's so aware of his own Ed flags, his own criminal behavior, and he, like, doesn't even give a fuck. Yeah, and that's, you know, the end of the chapter. It ends with him driving to Port Angeles. Um, and the only fun part about that is that he says that it's a car with an engine that Rosalie boosted for him last year when she was in a better mood. <laughs> All right, then I guess we can go through my favorite lines. Oh, God. <laughs> There's not a lot. It's it's just... um. My teeth were clenched so hard they could have pulverized granite. Ew. Okay. He says, All right. I was overdoing it. I knew that. Yet another example of self-awareness that he immediately ignores. Mm-hmm. I didn't miss the confused or disparaging thoughts questioning my sanity. <laughs> well, I do, Edward. Those were my favorite parts of the chapter. I love the thoughts questioning your sanity because I'm having some of those myself. Um... Yeah, and then that's kind of all I had other than we have to have our MVP discussion to figure it out. Jessica's
0: boobs. Oh, that's
1: (laughs) weird. It's Jessica's boobs.
0: Not that a case needs to be made for them. I mean, the cultural impact.
1: (laughs) What about you, G? I mean, I had Rosalie just because I love a good roast, and she's again, roasting the shit out of him this chapter. But I'm willing to go go Jessica's boobs. Her
0: one-liners are so high quality.
1: But like, I can can hold off this chapter because I know she's about to get even better one-liners if we just wait for it.
2: I originally had Maria for driving the Cullens out of Canada and stealing my heart in one fell swoop. (laughs) But I understand that she just gets a passing line, so we can definitely give it to Jessica's boobs.
1: Like, and what, a, what a bimbo Monday. What a bimbo Monday. Yeah, our MVPs this time were Linkin Park, Michaela, and Jessica's Boots.
2: <laughs> the best. These are the best MVPs we could ask for.
1: Some good shit. <laughs> and especially give a round of applause to Casey for coming up with that because she had her third eye wide open. No,
2: Casey, thank you so much. Again, if you want any dog pictures, you can find her social medias in the shout outs. But I mean, she sadly has no current uh, fandom presence, but maybe she can be convinced otherwise now. While we've been recording this, I was like, man,
0: maybe I should make, make myself a new Tumblr. <gasps> Start should. being active on there again. It's do so it fun, girl. It, like, honestly, throughout the years, Tumblr has always been my favorite way to like consume and share content.
1: We're in a good era right now,
0: Tumblr was. Of course. Pre, pre the war on titties. I know. Awful.
2: Bimbophobic. Such a travesty. But yeah, you guys can, <laughs> you guys can follow us on our social medias. We are three books, one plot, all spelled out everywhere except for Twitter, which is just the numbers instead of the spelled out letters. Send us an email. Send us an ask on Tumblr. Let us know what you think. Our email is at Gmail. Um,
1: and G, do you have Bella's safety tip of the week? I do I you know it was a hard to pick a safety tip this chapter because it wasn't as safety tip heavy as our beach episode but at the end of the day um, the one that stuck with me was Bella's, Bella's beautiful example to always sit on your jacket so you don't get rain on your ass <laughs> safety tip of the week courtesy of Isabella Swan of Forks Washington don't get rain on your ass sit on your jacket um, thanks Bella thanks queen Stay safe out there, guys. Yeah, stay safe out there. Carry that jacket.
2: And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.